This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 509, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, September the 6th, and Wednesday, September 13th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is episode 509. It's our Comic Reviews episode for releases from the week of Wednesday, September the 6th, as well as Wednesday, September the 13th. Uh, you'll know, notice that an episode of Comic Shenanigans has not gone online in the last 10 days. Uh, originally, it's because I was just super late in getting a reviews episode up for releases from the week of uh, September 6th. And then at some point, I was like, you know what? I'll just wait, and I'll do a double uh, a double review episode, and I'll just do that. And then that started getting late as well, and I'm like, oh, crap. I really got to get on this and start getting episodes up again. Uh, so that's what you have now. So uh, let's talk about uh, comics that came out on September 6th and 13th, because we really don't care about them anymore now that September 20th has rolled around and new comics are already in our hot, grubby little hands. Uh, so let's go first with uh, September the 6th. Uh, books I will not be talking about include some of the following. Uh, Bane Conquest episode, uh, issue 5, haven't got a chance to read it yet. New issue of Champions, Darth Vader, oh my god, how did I miss all this stuff? Uh, Edge of Venomverse, War Stories, Generation X, Green Arrow, Green Lanterns, Hawkeye, Iceman, uh, Inhumans, Winter Future Kings, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, Justice League, Nightwing, Spider-Man, Deadpool, Spider-Man, Thor vs. Hulk, Champion of the Universe, and X-Men Gold. Man, if all that came out and I didn't read it, what the hell did I read? That's a great question. Uh, first up, we have Astonishing X-Men. Uh, this is uh, issue number three. This, uh, I'm really digging this book. It's it's just it's interesting that each issue has a very different artistic style to it, um, which is too bad. Just because like, oh, it's not too bad. It's just they're just different from each other, and uh, you know it's not really giving you a sense of consistency. But but it's so well illustrated anyway. Uh, it's written by Charles Sewell, who's really got a good thing going here. And you got Emma Guinness on pencils. Uh, it looks fantastic. Uh, it really does. It looks great. Uh, it's got some great action to it. It feels like Bishop is finally feels like Bishop again. I don't know how we got regular Bishop back, but at least he's here. Um, I like everything that's kind of going on with the Shadow King. I thought was really cool. Um, with, uh, you know, Old Man Logan trying to kind of resist being a thrall. I thought was really interesting. Uh, the ending is definitely pretty crazy. Uh, it's a great look on uh, Wolverine's face as he uh, as he kills someone uh, with claws poking out through. Like this is violent. It's but it's it's exciting. Um, yeah, this this is just a really great comic. It's nice to have great comics, isn't it? Uh, so I'm gonna give that an eight. An eight. Uh, next up, we have Batman number thirty. Uh, which continues to be just an absolutely phenomenal book under uh, Tom King's uh, Watchful Eye. This is The Ballad of the Kite Man. This is the War of Jokes and Riddles interlude. The Ballad of Kite Man Part 2 by Tom King and Clay Mann. Looks gorgeous. Um, Clay Mann is just such an amazing illustrator. Uh, The writing is so on point uh, here. It's it's just phenomenal. Um, Yeah, I just... I can't imagine... I just... Kite Man... Like, what the hell? A story with Kite Man shouldn't be this good. It shouldn't be this phenomenal. Yet, uh, Tom King proves that he can make anyone interesting and make anyone uh, interesting character to read about and make you care about. And, uh, you know, I never thought I would ever think that when someone says Kite Man, I just want to say, hell yeah. This was great. Uh, I'm going to give this a nine. Like, it's it's an interesting. It's an interlude to a storyline that I'm actually not even that thrilled with. Like, I'm liking it, but, like... I don't know. It's, it it feels like it's less important because it's a flashback, and it's just like this weird version of the Joker that I don't know if I really like how they're depicting him. But the Riddler definitely feels on point with the you know kind of zero year or version of that character. So I'm like overall, like the storyline's okay, but it's not great. But the Ballad of Kite Man is fucking amazing. Um, again, fucking Kite Man, hell yeah. 
9 out of 10. Next up is Daredevil 26. Uh, this is uh, kind of a return to form a little. We have Ron Garney back at long last, Charles Sewell still writing it, and uh, we have Daredevil in his red costume again, which I don't know if I really buy that now he's going to wear it again, but whatever. Um, we have uh, a lot going on here. You have, uh, you know, this creature that, you know, that basically... Sam is out there, and Daredevil wants to find Sam and rescue him. Things don't go quite according to plan, and ends up being a lot worse than he expects. Uh, it's a good issue. Um, I kind of missed the black costume for Daredevil, or the very dark costume, but I liked it. It was a solid read. I'm going to give it a... I don't know. I, I'm going to give it a 7. I, it wasn't quite an 8 to me, but it was entertaining and good. I think that later issues are ha- will probably kick it more into high gear. This was obviously just more of a setup. But it was an interesting setup, that, that being said. Uh, next up is Gen- uh, Generations Iron Man and Ironheart number 1 by uh, Brian Michael Bendis, Marco Rudy, Simon Kudronsky, and Nico Leon. I didn't like this. Um, stories have been told with you know future versions of Avengers, and they've been a lot more interesting than this. The most interesting thing about this issue was the weird layouts that were kind of cool and creepy, but I found the story to be extremely boring. Uh, this isn't, if I wanted to see Tony having a proper team up with her, it's not this weird future Tony. I just didn't find this engaging or interesting. Um, I found it kind of boring, to be honest, and I'm going to give it a five, and I think I'm kind of being generous. Um, it just was not my cup of tea, and probably the most disappointing of all the Generations books I've read so far. They've all been pretty good. This was the one that I kind of, you know, stank a little. Uh, next up, we have Superman number 30. Uh, this is by... This is A Moment Longer Part 2, Hopes and Fears by Keith Champagne. Artwork by Ed Benes, Tyler Kirkham, and Philip Tan. It's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Um, that being said, it ends up being quite an enjoyable issue. Um, I liked having... Uh, Superman going up against Sinestro just because it's not a character we usually see you know, fighting each other. I like the idea that you know there is fear inside Superman as well. Um, I just thought this was really interesting. There's a lot of kind of cool concepts. Uh, it was it was a fun read. It definitely looked good. Uh, I think it looked more consistent than I expected. Um, I'm gonna give it a seven and a half out of ten. It, it was, a, but for the most part, it was a pretty solid read. And last but not least is Venomverse number one. Which I also thought this was a lot better than I expected. I don't know what I expected, but that wasn't this. Um, so this issue, I'm going to give... I need to find the creative team somewhere. Um, it was it was pretty solid. It was written by Colin Bunn, artwork by Iban Coelho. It's interesting that Costa didn't write it, because isn't he the one writing the Venom right now? Um, that being said, I thought it was an enjoyable and engaging story. A uh, reason for all these symbiotes to kind of come together from different worlds to defend themselves from this this virus, this this other creature. Um, I like the team-ups. I like the, the character interactions between Venom and this version of Peter Parker Spider-Man. Um, and, uh, you know, it definitely leads up to something exciting that happens in issue two, which I'll be talking about in a few minutes. This is a book that probably is better than it has any right to be. Like, Venomverse, on its, on the surface of it, sounds like a stupid idea. So does Spider-Verse. Uh, but for some reason, this actually is easier to buy than Spider-Verse. It's not trying to be as, as crazy, you know, huge concept as Spider-Verse. Um, but it's able to settle into a, a good, you know, storytelling groove, and I actually really dug it. So that's September 6th, and then we move on to September 13th. Books I'm not going to have a chance to read include some of the following. Uh, Action Comics, Only Wolverine, Deadpool, Defenders, Detective Comics, Generations, Captain Marvel, and Captain Marvel, uh, Hulk, uh, Justice League of America, Mr. Miracle, Ms. Marvel. Oh my god, I missed all this stuff! Old Man Logan, Rocket, 
Runaways, Secret Warriors, uh, Star Wars, Suicide Squad, Superwoman, Teen Titans, The Flash, uh, Titans, The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, uh, The Unbelievable Gwenpool, uh, Weapon X, Wonder Woman, and X-Men Blue. There's actually a lot of good books there I did not get a chance to read. So that brings up the question, what the hell did I read? So first up, we have Amazing Spider-Man 32, which is written by Dan Slott, artwork by Greg Smallwood. Smallwood's art is absolutely fantastic. It really is what sells this issue. Uh, but so does Slott. i got to give him credit. Like, this is a really interesting issue, uh, which is, you know, Norman Osborn trying to find purpose, trying to unlock, you know, the goblin inside again, uh, trying to find ways of doing it. Um, you know, it has this whole experience, which ends up just kind of occurring in his mind's eye. Uh, I thought this was a really kind of thrilling, interesting issue. Um, I did think it was too early to go back to Norman Osborn, but it's not really going back to Norman Osborn. It's making sure that we understand that he's not—he's off the table for the moment, but he's not really gone, uh, which we never really thought he was. But it was extremely compelling, very interesting. I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. I, I, I do think it was definitely worth reading. Uh, next up is Ben Riley's Scarlet Spider. This is issue number 7 by Peter David and our work by Lil Slinney who is coming off of Spider-Man 2099. And it's a little jarring at first just because the artistic styles between him and Mark Bagley are very different, um, especially with, like, kind of a more... Like, it's more digital. There's no kind of... It's very clean, not really inks in the way that we're used to. But it was pretty interesting and well done. Um, It definitely felt like, you know, Peter David has decided to do something with Ben Riley, and he's going to go and do something a little bit crazy here. And uh, I'm interested to see what comes of it. Um, having, you know, Marlo Chandler, or at least the personification of Marlo Chandler, Chandler show up, but really being Death is really interesting. The weird kind of relationship between Ben Riley and Death was really interesting. Uh, the fact that Kane died and is now back again is kind of funny. And the fact that... Um, uh, ben Riley has kind of his, his he's not dying anymore his face is kind of healed and everything which means I mean even the way that Selene draws Kane he's not scarred or anything so it looks like we have like three regular Peter Parkers out there one with long hair two with short hair and that people should really you know figure this out and it, this wasn't necessarily a problem back in the day when Peter wasn't as well known he's a fucking Fortune 500 guy and now there's two guys with the exact same face like I think it's a kind of a Prince of the Proper Popper situation but like I think that's asking for more problems or more logistical problems of people being like, ah, does no one notice? Uh, But otherwise, I'm going to give this an issue in uh, 7.5. It had, uh, there's a lot going on here, uh, a lot to unpack, a lot of, I feel like it's just more, a lot of talking, but it was engaging talking, and I'm excited to kind of see where Peter David goes with this. And I think that's how, maybe the best way to be able to tell how this is successful is where he goes in the future, which isn't really fair, or of asking of the reader of that, but I think it kind of makes sense in something like this. Uh, next up is Dark Knight's Metal, number three. Or sorry, number two, I should say. Uh, it's by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Uh, I'm not a huge fan. It feels like they're just throwing a lot of shit at the wall. And um, a lot of it, you know, it's just, you know, Batman outsmarting everyone and trying to figure out what's really going on with the metal. And then finally he kind of figures it out. Um, he's got the dark side baby as like to try and stop people from he, he has a, he has this plan which seems very kind of vague and nebulous and then the, the court of owls and their own organization has their own kind of weird nebulous plan to bring Barbados through and then you have all these weird you know the, the dark Bruce Wayne's basically coming through this kind of portal at the end I I just didn't really get engaged in it myself I wanted to um, 
I don't know. The storyline just doesn't really feel like it's for me. I'm excited about Doomsday Clock. That, I think, will be the storyline for me. Um, I don't think this is for me. Uh, it's just not really working for me. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a five. Like, it's got some nice art, um, but even then, it doesn't. it's not as consistent as I would have hoped for and, ex- and expected, so I'm going to give it a five. Uh, next up is Secret Empire Omega. This is by Nick Spencer and Andrea Sorrentino. It's okay. Um, an additional art by Joe Bennett with Joe uh, Pimentel, Scott Hanna, and Rochelle Rosenberg. Um, I didn't love this. Um, the artwork, I mean, it's Sorrentino. It's gorgeous, and uh, that's good. And then you have the kind of uh, some other weird pages as well that are very different. Um, the parts where they're just trying to they kind of close up shop on the things that were started in Secret Empire and now closed is, is kind of interesting. Um, the most interesting part is obviously Stevel and Steve kind of having their conversation. Um, although Sorrentino kind of doesn't make Captain America look as big as I think he should. And there's just something, I mean, obviously he's making these two, these men look very kind of downtrodden. One is dealing with having everything that's happened happen. Another one, the fact that he kind of lost. Um, I thought their conversation was really interesting and kind of put a lot of things in perspective. And one thing I did like as well, and the, which is also expanded upon by Nick Spencer in many interviews, is the idea that it's really given Hydra a reason to be now. Like Hydra now believes we had something taken away from us. Um, the way that reality was supposed to be is something like as far as you know what Steve told them is that the world was a different way until the Allies basically figured out a way to use this cosmic cube to rewrite everything. And so their the proper past has been stolen from Hydra, and Hydra's trying to reclaim this in their, their rightful place as a result. That's a really compelling reason for Hydra to exist. Um, so I'm excited to kind of see what might happen in the in the future, and a lot of people are kind of saying that, you know, with the red coloring over Stevel, is it kind of um, a bit of a foreshadowing that he's going to be a new version of the Red Skull? Um, which is not a huge leap, because we had times where the Red Skull was in a cloned Steve Rogers body. So that part is not really that difficult to, to sell. Uh, I'm going to give this a 7. Um, because you had, you know, wrapping up different plot lines with different artists, I, or at least different looks to the art, um, I think it kind of detracted a little, but overall I think it was a solid read. Uh, so I'll give it a 7. Uh, next up is Uncanny Avengers. Uh, this is issue number 27. This is written by, I believe it's by Jim Zub. Yeah, Jim Zub and Sh- Sean Isaacs is the artist. And I actually thought the artwork was really good, and... Uh, you know, it, it felt like a lot of different artists, and I mean that in a good way. Um, it's a kind of a fun Avengers versus Graviton story, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, and the ending definitely kind of... It makes you wonder what's going to happen with Johnny Storm kind of going forward. But I thought this was actually a really strong issue, and uh, I liked it quite a lot. I'm going to give it an 8. Um, it really didn't really have a lot of issues, and I liked how, you know, Graviton, even though they did dis- did dispatch him in an issue, felt like they gave him some credence and some real credit. So I like that. And last but not least is uh, Venomverse, uh, number 2, by Colin Bunn and Iban Coelho. And uh, I liked this uh, probably just as much as I liked uh, the, for the first issue. Um I thought this was really well done. I'm going to give it an 8. I thought the characters are are given a lot of interesting depth. And again, the storyline feels a lot better and reads a lot better than I would have ever expected. Um, There's a a surprising amount of pathos, of surprises. Um, Yeah, no, I really like this. I'm going to give it another 8. So that is uh, all for uh, these two particular weeks. That's 12 comics we've gone over in just under, or just around 15 or 16 minutes. Uh, you can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like the show on Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Also listen to us on Stitcher. Our next episode, uh, episode 510, will be coming out 
uh, in a couple of days. It's our conversation with Richard uh, Isinov. Um, it was a, he's a famed colorist. He's the one who did uh, 1602, uh, Origin. Um, he worked on the, the Dark Tower uh, series of miniseries uh, for Marvel. He's a highly acclaimed and uh, just an amazing colorist. And I actually got to sit down and talk to him. And I thought it was a really interesting conversation because, I mean, for those of us who aren't artistically inclined, like, Pencilers blow us away, and and then when we find out really what inkers actually do, and the difference between a good inker and a bad inker, it's crazy just how much that matters. And then the more you kind of, I I don't think I really understood and respected um, the colorist and the inkers until I started reviewing comics back in two thousand four. Uh, then I started to to pay attention and actually notice colorist names. I started understanding and being able to pick out certain colorists. Um, same thing with inkers. And so as I am now. At the, at the point where I'm starting to talk with more colorists, I find it so fascinating because it's so outside the realm of anything I really understand. So even as they try to explain it to me, it, a lot of it goes over my head, but um, but it's really interesting to kind of hear them break it down. Um, so that'll be our next episode, episode 510, and I can't ha- recommend it enough. It was a very interesting conversation. Um, and we have some great stuff coming up over the course of the next few months. We have conversations with... Uh, um, Oh, Jordan Jordan uh, Jordan White, who's an editor at Marvel. Uh, Joe Casey's going to be doing the show uh, at some point. We're going to have Steve Steven Siegel on the show. Uh, Howard Mackey, Al Ewing, um, tons of people. It's actually kind of crazy, and we're going to have a ton of content as well because we're going to have uh, movie episodes for upcoming films such as uh, Thor: The Dark World and Justice League as well, and as well as Star Wars. So yeah, a lot of good stuff is coming out, and uh, really excited to be talking about it and releasing those episodes as we uh, continue the the long trek to trek to episode six hundred. Uh, so uh, thank you for joining me for this episode, and we will catch you next time on Comic Shenanigans. Bye bye.